Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode I speak to comic book creator, podcaster and super nice guy Barney Smith about what comics he would take into a zombie outbreak apocalypse. But before we get into it I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene. To support their work you can become a friend of Comic Scene for just £20 a year. When you become a friend you get access to premium content on the website including Comic Scene Weekly, Newsstand Comics, Retro Comics, Comic Shop of the Week and free comic downloads. To find out more, visit comicscene.org. Also, if you enjoy the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Barney Smith. How's it going? Good. How are you doing, Sam? Yeah, good, man. Good. Um, it's been a busy day at work, um, but I'm on holiday tomorrow um so i've i've tied up all my loose knot uh, all my loose uh, ties and things like that um, and uh, yeah no i'm i'm feeling ready for a week off <laughs> you know what so i got to tell you what i did sam it's like i had Go for on. the longest time i put into I, I I'm one of those nerds that reads the Harvard Business Review because there's some great business tips on there. And one of them they said is for your out of office reply, say mm-hmm. that you are you're gonna be out of the office and if it's an emergency, please contact so and so on there. But if it's something yep. that you want me to address, you can re- you can send me an email at blah 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 date I'm back. I will and this is the the tip they said, I will batch delete all emails upon my return. So I put that in. I and I think this is great because then you'd expect people to say, you don't want people to expect to say, I'm going to answer a thousand emails when I get, no one, no one, no one should expect that, but people do expect it. Nice. So what happened yeah. was that I said, I'm, I put that in there. I did it for a few times. Then I got chastised by, uh, by uh, state contractors that we contract with who said, you know, it seems kind of rude that you did that. I'm like, yeah, I, get I guess I need to change it because <laughs> this might work well for Fortune 500 folks that actually read the Harvard Business, Business Review. But if you're like a local, yeah. local provincial nonprofit that works with people, Probably yeah, not the they're best. not really going to get it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a shame. But you yeah, know, you gave it a good go. Um, and yeah, uh, it's it's nice to do like kind of a a fun out of office right type of thing. I mean, I did I've done the usual things, but I tried to make it a little bit perky. You yeah. know, I'm off on holiday. Um, well, I said unfortunately I'm on holiday in brackets, although fortunate for me. Um, <laughs> type of thing, like just a little like nods like that but, right you know, yeah make it more um, fun it's all That's a good goes. Idea. yeah yeah so then people actually read the out of office <laughs> i know it's good and, and i gotta say sam i'm a huge fan of your podcast I'm listening to it re- oh, i've been listening thanks, to it a lot man. and it's so fun and i was i was deeply honored and excited that uh, you reached out to me and asked me if to uh to mm-hmm. come be one of your guests so thank you sam for giving me this opportunity it means a lot to me absolute pleasure barney um 
And that kind of leads us to, because I've been on your podcast, um, and uh, so for those that, that haven't come across you just yet, uh, what do you do in the world of comics? All right, so I'm an independent comic creator. Um, I do some slice of, life, slice of life comics. I also do some pretty fun and wacky comics as well, all indie stuff. But the other hat I wear is that I am a, I'm a, I'm a guest host on, on one podcast called The Chaotic Goodcast, where we talk about tabletop role-playing games. But my passion is all things to do with storytelling and artists. So I do have a podcast uh, that's been listened to in dozens of countries. Well, there's like two, what was it? Like 256 countries. So saying dozens doesn't mean much, but um, um, listen listen to by dozens and dozens of people listen to my podcast. Um, And it's, uh, it's, it's called story comic presents. You can find the links to that on storycomic.com. And right. I interview uh, folks from the indie comic world. I interview um, authors of mostly from like fantasy novels. Um, And I also uh, interview folks from, that are that are in the kids comics and also uh, children's books because love love learning about there's so much as a venn diagram goes i love Mm. talking to people who are great creatives that are able to create things that seem to be i love people learning more about people's creative process so and and so i've been having that podcast going on for um almost 200 episodes right now that I've been doing. And I've been so fortunate to be able to interview some great creators out there. So if anybody's interested to, uh, you know, you know, hear things about folks that uh, write those gigantic fantasy novels or those, that, that indie comic that you see on Kickstarter or seeing that your favorite children's book author in the library, those are the people that we, that are able to come on the show. So totally man i i had the pleasure of going on just a few weeks ago um we had a lot of fun um and of course you do uh you do it on youtube as well so we, we have the video there if, if people are interested right. um as well as the audio as well of course yeah, um you. so yeah with that in mind uh where can people find you online they can find me at storycomic.com and on there i'm also active on twitter i'm active on instagram um and be based off of a bet i had to create a tiktok account so i have a tiktok account all story <laughs> comic uh also facebook seems to be uh i have uh, a lot of good followers that are on our our facebook page and all of those are the backslash story comic you can't miss it all one word so don't find you know that story comic is analogous of a graphic novel in a way so but if you find story comic all one word uh you'll find me excellent excellent um now that aside um i do have some bad news for you um and that is that there's been a zombie outbreak i saw that coming and yeah yeah it was just it was it was the next thing on the list wasn't it pandemic near nuclear war um, and then you know zombie outbreak why not why not finish off um you know things happen in threes right um and uh yeah so my question is to you uh what is your action plan for survival what's my action plan for survival that's pretty easy i think what anything that we've learned from the the pandemic is um if you stay if you kind of like stay you know isolated for a bit all the all the whack jobs who thinks you know that uh, 
uh, you know, government can't tell me what to do. They'll die off pretty quick. So that's easy. So, um, and then what I'll do is I'll just hang out there, just hang out at home, wait for things to do. I'm lucky enough to live in uh, the state of Vermont. So for those that are listening from the British Isles, uh, Vermont is part of the New England states. So England. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so we are, we are one of those states that's kind of like shoved up in the corner next to Massachusetts and we're North of Massachusetts. It's a very rural area. So, and also too, I, I was in the Boy Scouts, so I know everything about, you know, e- easily survivable things. So what I would do in, in a zombie apocalypse is that I would just hang out, hang out, give it a, give it a good amount of time and then be able to, you know, do Shaun of the Dead type stuff and, you know, and get a baseball bat and just go out and forge for um, what I need. <laughs> excellent and so you, uh yeah you, so you're hunkering down at home yes um and just just preparing yourself uh with the with the requisite weapons um when the when the time comes um fantastic and so um i assume that you'll you'll be with your family oh oh yep i would i would be with my family and and as i say as i've learned i they can put up with me for at least good a, t- a good two solid weeks. So at least I know that they'll put up. I've got two weeks. for two weeks. Yeah. Before you before you get slung out of your own home. Exactly. And, uh, you, have to, you have to go forage for food or something. Um, <laughs> excellent. Um, so before that happens, um, on one uh, lovely summer evening, um, you you get talking um, whilst you're trying to kind of you know keep keep a low profile um and your family start asking you kind of more about you know your your history with comics mm-hmm. and the first question that comes up is what's the first comic you remember enjoying so the first comic i remember enjoying i got introduced to comic books around 1990 i was it was in eighth grade and so uh I was born in 76. So I'm, I'm, I'm full on into being a Gen Xer. I'm smack dab in the middle. You can't get more metal than being born in 1976. So we, you know, the, the, the Gen X population, we are, we are really good at staying bored. We're really good at, at understanding boredom and we're really good at entertaining ourselves. So I remember this was back in the time, back in 1990, you still here in the United States, you're still able to, buy magazine buy comic books at the grocery store they still had a rack of uh, a spinning rack that you're able to pick up and i remember picking up two comics and they were they were a dollar a us a dollar a piece at that point and the first two comic books i picked up was it was new warriors issue number new warriors issue number three and it was guardians of the galaxy issue number three so they both came out around the same time back around in 1990. And I remember picking up those three issues and they were any of those well-read comic books that seemed to be very still taken care of. It wasn't like they're full of, you know, mud or, 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 or earmarked or anything. But you know, if you, if you gently read a comic book enough, you get those tons of those little cracks on the spine. Those two comics yeah. that I had from New Warriors issue number three and New Warriors issue num- and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, not the new one, the one that had Star. I'm talking about the one that had Starhawk and um, and Yondu mm-hmm. and all those. Mm-hmm. I got that, yeah. uh, and I got those two. And from there, I then started to collect, you know, issues four or five onward until those series ended in 1996. Nice. And then where were you picking those up? Sorry. 
So at first I was picking them up from the local store, but here's the thing. All of a sudden they stopped. It's not like they actually have a, a list. Nobody there. Some it's not, it's not like you have somebody that works at the, the local grocery store knows a lot about comics. They probably just get stuff yeah. so from the publisher. So once mm-hmm. I started realizing that they don't carry the same titles every month is when I had to go out and discover where my local, my, my, my friendly local comic book shop was. So then I had to find that. And then I found the, the magic of the pull list. I'm like, I want to remember going up to the, I am 12 years old, 13 years old. And they, and I, the, and I said, Oh, I see you don't have issue number six. I guess at the time of newer, it's like, no, we can't, but if you want to, we can reserve it for you. Telling that to a 14 year old was amazing. I'm like, wait, you can tell, you mean I can ask an adult that, that is a stranger to me to request them to hold something for me for free. And then I can come and pay for it later. Blew my mind. Yeah. So. Awesome. Absolute, absolute magic, isn't it? When you start realizing stuff like that. Exactly. Um, yeah. And obviously that, that kicked off your, your love of comics. Yeah. Um, but where, where did the uh, creative part come into it? Oh, I, I would basically, it was one of those situations there where I would just start learning how to draw by looking at how the comic books looked and it was that point where it was around that same time too, that I was reading Garfield and reading the new warriors and guardians of the galaxy. And for me, there was this epiphany when it came down to that, that there is not one way to not one way to do art. So as a, as a mm-hmm. budding cartoonist, then I realized to myself is like, wait a minute, the Garfield you know, John Davis's drawing of Garf, Jim Davis's drawing of Garfield. This is actually cartooning. This is actually comics. But mm-hmm. how is the New Warriors also considered comics? So it's one of those situations where it was it was like discovering something on your own, which everybody knew already that was doing art. It's like art is how you will find your own style. So what happened mm-hmm. was is that my style kind of became an amalgamation of your Sunday funnies and, and, uh, in comics and then your big two comic, comic art. Nice. Excellent. Um, and then do you have any projects actually in the pipeline as we speak? Yes. Yes, I do. So it's funny that you said, so here's a, here, here's a cool thing, Sam, is that I learned is that mm. you, if you, you get the same amount of endorphins when you announce that you're doing something than you would if you actually accomplished mm. doing it. So I, and so there are some, there's, there are some pretty cool projects that I'm working, that I'm, that I'm working on. And, you know, one of them is uh, I have this character called toilet paper head and I'm doing a, <laughs> and I'm doing, and I'm look for it. And I haven't, I haven't found one specifically about this, which is a, is a solo role-playing game choose your own adventure graphic novel. So I'm working on that. So I'm wicked. Yeah. So anybody who's saying like, how do you map out a choose your own adventure? Or well, see that's that's copyright, but it's okay to say it here because it's not. But what it is, it's <laughs> a branching novel. So if you work in a branching novel and your people ask mm-hmm. is like, how do you make a branching novel? How do you map it out? For those that are listening yeah. and have always want to do that. Go to inklewriter.com. It actually might, I think it's a British created thing. Right. 
Inklewriter.com, where actually what you do is you can actually create an outline for a choose your own, a branching novel uh, storyline. So check that out. That's so cool. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Like there's so many tools out there these days mm-hmm. um, that, uh, yeah, no, you can really kind of start to wrap your head around almost anything right. um, if, you, if you've got the... Um, like the the want to do it and also the perseverance as well of course um and that's probably the more important thing (laughs) rather than the initiative is is the perseverance um but that is fantastic and and do you have a kind of a a timeline for that at all oh you know the you know these independent creator types samuel it's like you whatever is (laughs) whenever you can put it a piece of string man yeah And I'm working on some other, like I guess I have, I literally always have like three different projects happening and, and all of them revolve around my three passions, which is tabletop role-playing games, comic books, mm-hmm. and also children's books. I'm working on a children's book too that I can tell you about. It's called Scrappy the Christmas Elf. And it's about this cool. Christmas elf that actually is totally horrible at wrapping presents. So what's the story? Mm. It's a story about <laughs> how, and I'm, and I'm, I'm through the first draft on this and it's about, you know, and some people will have like, oh, you know, that present came from Santa and it's always so immaculate. This gives, yeah. you know, the parents the permission, um, uh, you know, to feel as though that not all presents from Santa have to be perfectly wrapped. Because, you know, what? that present might have been wrapped by Scrappy the Christmas elf who is horrible at wrapping presents. So there you go. Bingo. That is absolutely fantastic. That is genius. In fact. And I will be using that as an excuse when my my absolute, you know, chicken scratch wrapping like <laughs> turns up on a uh, christmas day for my daughter so no that's absolutely brilliant excellent love it love it Barney. uh now uh back to the um safety of your house um with your family uh what's the funniest comic that you've read oh, so around the same time i didn't get the jokes until i was years later when i reread the series but there was a um, Giffen and Demathis. I hope I pronounced his name right. Is uh, they did a run of the when they when they redid the Justice League when it was first it was Justice League International, and then it split up into Justice League Europe and Justice League America. This was also around 1990. Those two men were brilliant in writing. Um, the Giffen and Demathis team they were amazing. They were so funny. That was basically for those that don't know. Check out that run. It came out after um, the miniseries Legends that came out in '89, I believe '89 or '90. Mm-hmm. It was uh, the big event that they that they did on DC Comics, and it was the hodgepodge of it was like the B level team that was created. That was the Justice League. That was when Maxwell Lord was introduced, and he actually made the Justice League America almost as a uh, private company in a way, and <laughs> it was. And there was so much hilarity ensues on that one. That was when you had Guy Gardner on there as the Green Lantern. Him and Blue Beetle were were, were buddies. Uh, Booster Gold was on that was on there for a while. You had Fire and Ice, um, and it was at the point where they kind of had it. The, the team started to get too big, so they had a Justice League Europe and a Justice League, a Justice League America. By far, that's still some of the funniest and most. Uh, brilliant comedic writing it it is reminiscent to me of the direction the modern mcu is taking since joss whedon it really kind of spirit spurred when uh 
the Joss, Joss Whedon when he did the first Avengers movie where he was able to put mm-hmm. in drama with humorous banter. So it was almost to the point where it never got overly dramatic because you always threw in some humor on it to kind of like lower the bar back down to make sure that things weren't overly weren't overly taken serious. And if I had to draw a line on that, I would, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of project. I know it's like the, the, the progenitor of some of that too. The ancestry of that um, could very well be seen from that Giffen and DeMathis run of justice league. Like it's okay to make superheroes in comedic situations, but not slapstick, but mm. you know, who left the milk out? Like we, all these superheroes are living together. It's, it's the, yeah, right. there, but it's like, who left them? It's going to be the messy one, right? Right. Somebody's <laughs> going to be the messy one. So that's a great run. If anybody has, has time to check that out. Brilliant. Love it. Love it. And then uh, changing gears uh, quite suddenly. Uh, what's the saddest comic that you've read? The saddest comic. Um, so I would say that the, the saddest comic I read or the most upsetting one that, that I checked out was, um, there was our, our local bookstore had a run on, on just there, there were, it was a local library. We had a bunch of graphic novels that were, that they're taken out of circulation and get, and there was a really good book for those that aren't familiar. There's a, there's a pretty, it's an award-winning cartoonist named Xander Cannon from here who, who's done a lot of stuff. He's, he was doing stuff through top shelf productions. Um, he just, finished up a series i can't remember what that was called it was like kaiju prison island or is there something about kai but he mm. created this he created this amazing um amazing uh book that was called heck h-e-c-k and basically what he did is that he had what was called, it was a project called the 144 hour graphic novel project. Basically what it is, is like he created every 12 page chapter was created in a 12 hour session for a year. So, wow. So what he did is he created this thing back in 2013 called heck. And it was about this, about this guy who was kind of think about the cross between, uh, um, uh, what's the guy's name from the Maltese Falcon that, uh, um, that mm. gumshoe detective. It's basically a cross between a gumshoe detective and an Indiana Jones and throw in some, throw in some, you know, hellblazer on top of it because it's this guy <laughs> who's like an Indiana Jones that goes into hell, but he is hired as a detective. And basically what it is, is that people will come to this character to basically come to the come to this character to say hey there's still some missing pieces and you know i think my loved one or so and so is probably went to hell so what he does is he has a hole this opened up to hell in his house and what he does is he goes down in there to find find the soul of the person. So what level of hell? Cause it's this Dante's Inferno type thing. So it's all split up into different levels of hell. And he basically says, um, what level of hell do you think they're on? He's like, well, I think it's here. It's here. And so what he does is that he goes down into hell to find them. But the way he describes it, there's so much science and philosophy involved in it by saying, 
when I go in, because when when the the main the main protagonist when he comes back up from hell, he doesn't remember the trip because he's not dead. So he does come back with a maybe a busted leg or a broken arm or something. He's all broken up, but he doesn't remember what happened. Completely understanding what's happening while he's there, and he can communicate with the person while he's going through there. And the way you're able to communicate with a person he sent through there is based off of a communication device that he's able to talk to through to the person. So I don't want to give too many spoilers away on it, but reading that and reading reading the journey and the reason why it was it was probably the saddest moment reading this journey is because watching someone experience so much emotional trauma and knowing that the character will never remember it. There's a tragedy behind that by going through so Mm -hmm. much and seeing so much death and destruction and, and terror and experiencing it through the eyes, but knowing that you're never going to, he's never going to remember it takes Mm -hmm. away from, takes away from the, the emotional, the emotional investment that you have into it to experience these things from like a soul perspective, but knowing yeah. that it's all for naught because you're going to forget it. So there is that piece of that's, there's that tragedy behind he, like the character grew so much from experiencing all these. And you see, he turns into such a great person at the end that the entire the, the entire experience becomes irrelevant to him because he's never going to remember going through that experience. That's crazy. That's, that's a really cool concept. Yeah. Um, I mean, not good for the, for the main character. But, you know, it's a, um, yeah, it's an interesting one where, you know, how do you deal with that? Um, right. It's almost, suppose, the, yeah, yeah. And it's almost like, same. it's like almost like the never ending story in this sense is like the reader mm-hmm. now is now, I saw myself as the reader now uh, responsible for this fictional protagonist's journey because he doesn't, he isn't going to remember it, but me as a reader remembers it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's really interesting actually. Yeah. yeah. Say the, say the, the reader actually knows more than mm-hmm. the main character. Um, that's a really juxtaposition. Right. Really, isn't it? Yeah. And like, that book is called, again, it's called Heck H E C K. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. I'll yeah. have to definitely check that one out for yeah. sure. Um, fantastic. And now changing gears again, um, what's the scariest comic that you've read? Okay, the scariest comic I've read, which is kind of weird, and I didn't do this on purpose, kind of a juxtaposition between my Geffen and DeMathis of the JLA comics and through the Xander Cannon's book I just mentioned, Heck. And this was Geffen and DeMathis wrote... Uh, I can't remember that the, the re, there's a reissue of the defenders and that was came out in the defenders that had the, and this came out in, I believe it was 2006. It was Geffen and DeMathis that came out with this again. And the penciler was uh, Kevin McGuire. It had the silver surfer, Dr. Strange, incredible Hulk and uh, Namor, the submariner. Uh, and I read this and it was, it was a, a, a trade back, a, a paperback of issues one through five. And I read this and you know, the main villain in it says Dormammu, of course. And mm. I read this scene was this 
earth-shattering event that happens. Earth-shattering event. That, and I read this. And as I read this, where the entire earth gets changed into this demon world and all these major events happen. And then I read it and then I, I finish reading it. And I read the first issue. And this is the saddest, I would say, the most horrifying moment for me is when I, after finished reading this, I said, literally these the, these two big two i knew this growing up but it was fine but for some reason as a through a 40 plus year old lens of living a life <laughs> i realized i'm like none of these titles in the big two marvel and dc there's no such thing as a world shattering event nobody talks about it anymore after it happens at least for the mcu people will still talk about the snap people still so there is a and mm. we saw this through phase through phase four is like there is a trauma that happens throughout this, but in the actual comic books, there's no trauma. The world has literally been almost destroyed yearly. And so it came to me as like, I, the, the significance of world shattering events in these comic books, I realize are, are completely irrelevant to me. And that's when I started wanting to read more, of these indie graphic novels and these indie comics that have a beginning, middle and end. And I think we've also, uh, we've been a little jaded with that where we've actually seen stories uh, through Netflix or, or name the show where there is a beginning, middle and end. Like, okay, now the series is over. We planned on it from the beginning. But when you start reading some of these Marvel and DC comics, they really, they're literally soap operas in the sense like there is no beginning, middle, end. there's beginning, middle, ends to, to arcs and story arcs, but there's no character development, which gets to my other kind of horrifying moment that I came to my realization as somebody <laughs> that writes comics is don't ever, ever, and this is a, one of my big pet peeves. I never want to see a word bubble, uh, a, a thought bubble for Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Fantastic. I remember getting these cards. I remember getting like these, the trading cards from 1990, 91, 92, like the, the Marvel cards. And then always it shows are objectively speaking, they show like, you know, intelligence one through seven, speed one through seven, strength one through seven, seven being the highest. So objectively speaking in the, in the, in the, in Marvel comics, objectively speaking, this is based off of Canon. This is exactly what Marvel comics says. Mr. Fantastic is the smartest hero. He's the smartest person in the MCU. He's the smartest one. Mm-hmm. He has a seven. He's the only one with a seven. The other one with a seven is Victor Von Doom. These are the only two people who are smarter. Not to not to begrudge Bruce Banner. He has a six. Six is still super smart because your average intelligence is a two. So he's still super smart. But there's only one seven, and that's Mr. Fantastic. So I ask, I ask you, Samuel, and I ask your listeners. What the heck would a thirty-year-old, thirty-year-old writer from Brooklyn or a forty-year-old writer from from London, what? How would they very possibly understand the thought process that goes behind the smartest man in existence? If you think about it, it's the same situation with Sherlock Holmes. Um, Sherlock Holmes never—you never hear what he's thinking about. You hear interpretations mm-hmm. of what Watson is thinking he might be thinking, or it's going through the lens, but you never hear inner monologue of Sherlock Holmes because he's so freaking smart. So that was the other tragedy for me is re- is also reading 
it was around the same time, X-Men versus Fantastic Four, when you have thought bubbles going on with Mr. Fantastic. I'm like, no, you don't know what he's thinking. He yeah. could be thinking in binary sense, bro. You know, you you cannot mix yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that was my horrifying oh, moment, Sam. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, no. Um, sticking for detail. Um, yeah, so um, it's going to be interesting to see how they actually portray that in the MCU, right. isn't it? I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Um, I mean, obviously they've 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 uh, portrayed, um, you know, John Krasinski already. Yeah. yeah, with John Krasinski. Yeah. Um, and it's like I guess it's likely that he'll be actually taking on the role. Yeah. Um, so, but. Uh, but yeah, you don't have to yeah. worry about inner monologue. I've never heard them do any. Oh no, 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 not on that. Or at least yeah. you, you hope that they're not going to yeah. go that way. <laughs> just imagine <laughs> Kevin Feige goes completely off book. You know, right, just exactly. like, oh my god, he's totally lost it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, moving on to my favourite question. Um, what is your favourite cover? Okay, my favourite cover. I don't. So it was a ninety. I think it was 94 when the Age of Apocalypse came out and it was that big. I was a huge X-Men fan. So I still love the street level stuff. So you basically have your, I was going to say there's like these, the, the four genres of comic books. You have your international espionage, espionage comics where you have, that's where you put in your Captain Americas and stuff. Captain Americas, your Black Widows, all the stuff that have to do with governments and things like that. Then you have your magic related uh, comic books. So you have your Doctor Strange, you got your Hellblazers, you got uh, anything to do with the magic and the mystical. That's where you'd have, you know, Doctor Fate, all that stuff that's fits in the, the magical side of things. Then you have your street side, street level, your street level stuff. Okay. You have, that's where you'd have your Daredevils and your Spider-Mans and stuff like that. Then you have your space, international space stuff. That was be that's where you have your Fantastic Fours. That's where you have your Silver Surfers. That's where you have your Guardians of the Galaxies. So those are kind of like the four genres of of, of superhero comics. I loved when I was really getting into uh, comics full-time is uh, X-Men, the X-Titles. Read the X-Men. Loved what's going on with the X-Men. So I have a lot of nostalgia for I was – my X-Men collecting prime was when Age of Apocalypse came out. And – I fell in love with the cover of the age of apocalypse. That was issue number one, because then they had all the other issues in between. Then they had issue number two of age of apocalypse. Age of apocalypse. Number one was amazing because it completely in your face. First time you saw it, a reimagining of all the X-Men. And that was, that has been ingrained in my head of looking at Wolverine with one hand and, uh, mm. And all, and then seeing Magneto as the the good guy, there was so much in there that flipped it on its head, and that was one of those first, another one of those epiphany moments I had when I was uh, reading comics. Since I was uh, eighteen at the time when th- that came out, to realize that oh, so you can just throw everything out the window and start over. That was the first time I ever <laughs> saw that. Like we just threw, like well, okay, this is new, and then everybody was like, and it was. For a brief second, we all thought they just changed everything. This is what we're doing now. Of course, we know that nothing ever stays there. There's always, it goes back to baseline. Eventually everything goes back to baseline. Yeah. And, but that was a very pivotal moment for me to realize how, how much freedom a writer could have or how much freedom an artist could have to kind of, Mm. if you, if you sell it enough to the editor, they'll say yes. So that was a, that, 
when I think about comic books, it's one of those situations when somebody says, um, when even you say the word comic book, I challenge everybody when I when you hear the word comic book, what's there is a cover that pops in your head, or there's a there's a logo that just pops in your head when you think of comic book, and for me, it's that that cover of issue number one of Age of Apocalypse. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, and uh, sorry, was it uh, issue one? Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for issue yeah. one, amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, um, that's absolutely fantastic. And it's so good to like tie tie a memory to that mm-hmm. as well, because um, you can relive that memory, right? As well, um, yeah. and uh, that's absolutely fantastic. Um, now, uh, what comic do you repeatedly read the most? Okay, so I'm going to fudge this one, Sam. I'm going to fudge <laughs> this one a bit, okay? Uh, I think I sent you my answer earlier. I'm not sure, but so I yeah. the, the one that I read the most is based purely off the fact that I have an eight year old and a and a five year old, uh, a six year old right now, <laughs> and this isn't technically a comic book, but it is because it is has word bubbles in it. It's very interactive. <laughs> it is basically an interactive app before there is interactive apps, and it came out in the late seventies. And that is right. all right. Wow. I, you're, there's going to be eye rolls. I'm sure people are listening to roll their eyes like, oh, whatever. <laughs> it is the children's book. Uh, there's a monster at the end of the book by those starring Grover. And what it is, for those that don't know, it is a very famous book here, at least in the United States. And I'm sure maybe in, maybe in uh, your neck of the woods too. It's called the, the, a monster at the end of the book. And what it is, it is, it is, brilliance in children's book writing basically what it is is grover says the grover you open up the first page and grover sees the name of the title and says oh no there's a monster at the end of the book don't flip the page and you flip the page and grover's like in a word bubble what did you do i just said don't flip the page what are you doing don't you realize at the end of the book we're gonna so what if you don't flip the page and of course you read it and you flip the page kids love it kids are laughing like this is hilarious and Grover's like no don't do it please don't flip don't turn another page you get to the end of the page and then there's gonna be a monster and i'm so afraid of monsters and you flip the page again and my and grover's like grover then starts hammering you know, like, you know, wood and nails and bricks and say, there, I've now the book, now the page is too heavy. You can't flip it. And of course, you know, the kid laughs and he flips it. And all of a sudden, all the bricks are falling down. And it's a great, it's so interactive. And that is by default the, the, the comic book or the book that I read the most because it never gets old. It never gets old because it is, awesome. it's, it's watching it and watch it. And you've never seen, I have ne- that was the first time also another one of these little epiphanies of mine seeing that you can be completely innovative and creative and writing something that you are now a active member of. You're an active member of it. Like when you read a book, mm-hmm. when you're reading a book or you're reading a comic, it doesn't read itself. It stops being read when you stop doing this but when you stop doing that the book the comic book and the book is indifferent to whether or not you continue reading it or not but the monster at the end of the book is happy when you don't flip the page like it actively tells you not to turn the page and it 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 stays like that (laughs) and there is a sense of thank you for not doing this so that is definitely by far technically Technically, I would consider a hardbound children's 
comic book because it is fits all the bells and whistles. There's word bubbles. There's no narrative on that. It's just all Correct. word bubbles. So there you go. That's awesome. And and just looking it up, there, there's a video version of that as well. Um, <laughs> by the looks of it as well. Um, yeah. So like, I mean, actually, like with uh, Grover, like you know, flailing his arms about <laughs> as he does. Um, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. That's really fun. Um, cool. Uh, so uh, moving on to another of my favorite questions, and that is what's the most meaningful comic to you? Okay. To parallel to parallel to the, uh, to my favorite comic book cover before the age of apocalypse, there was a, before the Age of Apocalypse, they had the thing called Legion Quest, that which actually sparked the whole Age of Apocalypse. Um, Legion being Professor X's son. Um, he's the one that kind of broke reality and created the Age of Apocalypse. And there was... Oops. Yeah, whoops. <laughs> I, was, I was in art school at the time. So, of course, being an art mm. artist at 18, you're full of passion, full of romance, and all that kind of fun stuff. I love the concept of unrequited love. So, mm-hmm. of course, there's that whole concept of, of Romeo and Juliet, which is like the classic unrequited love. Forget the fact that it's about basically a 16-year-old boy and a 13-year-old girl that end up killing that end up having the death of what six people died for a, a three day spot on romance of a 13 year old and a 16 year old. <laughs> if you look at it, that's like a, what a horrendous story. Like anyway, so, yeah, right. but the other one that came out around the time about the really cool version of unrequited love was lady Hawk. You're familiar with lady Hawk, Samuel. Uh, yeah, I have heard of it before. I just, I just, I haven't, haven't uh, seen it. So Lady Hawk is a so anybody check it out. It's an eighties movie. It's one of the best fan. Un, it's one of the best uh, unfollowed fantasy movies out there that came out in the eighties. It was around the same time of like Highlander and stuff like that. This one was about. It starred Michelle Pfeiffer and Rutger Hauer and Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick was the protagonist that the audience followed along to see what was going on. So basically, what it is is. It follows along this hunter who this bounty hunter, kind of your Mad Mardigan, Han Solo type character, but in a fantasy setting, who is this guy, this warrior with a sword who has a wolf as his companion, very Dungeons and Dragons-esque. So he has this wolf that is his companion and kind of takes on Matthew Broderick, who is this, you know, little boy thief kind of deal. He's following him. And then, and then, uh, Rudger Hauer, the the man says, um, you know, sleep. I'm going to go off. I got to go off hunting at night. So he leaves him alone. And as he leaves him alone, um, this, this woman, this, this, this female shows up, which is Michelle Pfeiffer, who has a hawk companion at night comes and, and talks to him. And, and right. so they go on an adventure together. Turns out what happens is, is like, they're both cursed by witches. The, Rudger Hauer, when he's the man, he is the wolf is actually Michelle Pfeiffer. And at nighttime, Rudger Hauer turns into a hawk and he, no other way around. Sorry, <laughs> completely messed that up. Rudger yeah, Hauer has a hawk. <laughs> yes, yes. Rudger Hauer has a hawk as a companion. And at nighttime, the hawk turns into Michelle Pfeiffer and Rudger Hauer turns into a wolf and is wow. his companion. So, 
it's an unrequited love. There was basically this witch's spell put on there where they can never be together again. Because as soon as the sun mm. is out, as soon as the sun is out, he turns into a hawk. Uh, no, he turns into a wolf. Sorry. And uh, vice versa. Anyway, <laughs> long story short, you're like, where are we going with this? So where I'm going with this is like, that was one of those unrequited love stories where they could never be together, but they were together. And one of my favorite right. things right. in comic books was there's that long um, romance, romantic arc of Rogue and Gambit. They mm. loved each other, but they could never touch each other because if if Rogue touched somebody, they took their powers away. Yeah. So they were fairly in love. And I love that there was this one scene. I actually blew it up, Sam, and I, during college. Is that one scene oh, that the, cool. the, 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 the last episode, part four of Legion Quest, of when they mm-hmm. saw the reality that 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 wave of reality changing everything, they basically said, oh, "What the heck?" And they just locked lips and kissed um, for mm. the first time. They've never they've always loved each other, but they could never touch each other. And it was that one moment where they decided to let's do it, and they finally kissed after years and years of wanting to be together, but never been able to experience that sense of touch. And that was probably the most meaningful point for me is at that time in my life of, you know, being mm-hmm. in art school, looking for love and seeing that one moment of these two characters that I've been following their story arc to a lot. This scene that was, uh, it was, it was pretty cool. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously yeah, a really nice, really nice moment. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I thought I should just clarify for anybody probably under the age of 30 um, that, when Barney says blew it up, he doesn't mean blow it up with dynamite. He means to make it larger via a photocopier. Probably. Right. And I actually, <laughs> right, yes. <Barney? laughs> yes. Um, and exactly. So good point. Um, and I had to do that and I had to puzzle it together because I could only enlarge the certain oh, right. people, p- pizzas, yeah. pieces of the story. And of course I was doing it on a college, uh, on the public college uh, photocopy machine. We had to put in, put in coins to do it so i end up spending a good i end up spending a good i don't know, like 10 quid on making sure that i could actually um get this black and white patch together thing. yeah yeah oh that's fantastic um <laughs> oh brilliant like i love the commitment i mean exactly. then did you, did you put did you put that up in your dorm or something oh, or? i put it up in my dorm yes it was it was right there and of course my uh uh, my opera theater uh, roommate who had no idea what I was doing was rolling his eyes. Oh, wow. thinking, who is this? What is this doing? I'm like, no, this is the best <laughs> scene ever. You don't understand. He's like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, opera people. Yes. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, now, uh, moving on to our penultimate question, and that is, uh, what's the most underrated comic? Oh, by far. For those that don't know, Impact Comics came out in... Also around that time, 91, 92, I believe. And what it was, it took some of the old Archie characters. Archie, for those who know, Archie Comics had a run of superheroes. The Black Hood, the Comet, the Shield, uh, Jaguar, all these characters. Uh, DC Comics bought the rights to them for a bit. I think they, I think it went back to Archie Comics by this point. But what they, uh, one series that was called was the Comet. And I do not want to have anybody lose the, the I'm not going to give the ending away, but I, I, every time it was 18 runs because basically what happened was uh, impact comics just like tanked. It, 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 it kind of, 
after about a year and a half, uh, Impact Comics just disappeared. It's one of those comic books that you can find in the in the in the cheap bins that they that you have at any mm-hmm. comic shop, and you you'll find them pretty much anywhere for you know this super cheap and pences. It's worth pences right now, but the. Um, and, but one issue, if you can find the whole 18 run, I'm sure you can find it somewhere online. Read the for 18 issues, 18 issue run of the comet. It is by far probably the best origin story of a superhero. Arguably you'll ever see because it comes out of the blue and it is not what you expected. Even for the most jaded and most I've seen everything readers, even the ones wow. who've actually been reading it forever. When I say read this series and when things start blowing up on issue 13 from issue, I mean, if things go out of control at, at issues 13 on to 15. And, and I mean this, and this objectively, objectively saying every single person I told to read this, that series, I asked them, what'd you think of the origin? And they would always say, did not see that coming. Did not see that coming. So, wow. Yeah. Check it out. It's a quick read. Uh, it's 18 it issues. My interest. <laughs> yes. Yes. I've never met anybody who saw that superhero origin coming. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's uh, probably probably best just to kind of leave it there um, yeah. hanging in the air and everybody should just go check it out. Right. Um, I'm sure you can, uh, yeah, as you say, probably find it online. Right. Um, and uh, yes, if I, if I find it, um, before before this episode goes live, I'll put it I'll put it in the show notes, um, so that people can just click on the link. Perfect, and, uh, yeah. and have a look because this is from the four. This is from this is from the forties, just so that everybody knows, right? Um, no, this, this is, is from the nineties. No? Oh, this is, yeah. this is a different one. So it's a nineties one. So of course, with Archie, yeah. Impact right. Impact Comics. Yep. Yeah. yeah, the Impact Comic one. Right. Yep. Yep. Got ya. Yeah. Got ya. Excellent cool um excellent um so coming on to our last uh question in regards to comics and that is if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse which would it be oh it's, it's had to be issue number one of new warriors that one just has the most nostalgia for me um and just re- just realizing um how important it is to just connect to the people that are that you have similar interests with. I mean, it was, it's how it's, it just shows how accessible anybody is when you actually just kind of connect with um, a bunch of misfits, you know, it was, it was, it's a fun, it's a fun first issue. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, And then alongside that issue, uh, what weapon tool or useful item would you like to take with you as well? I would probably take with me, a, you know, I, I gotta say something, something that's useful, but also that I probably have to think of like some kind of like, you know, machete type thing. Um, not for like the, uh, only because it's so useful to, you know, cut down trees and whatnot. And it's reminiscent also, and this is something that I just, a, li- a little bit of a, a little bit of history for everybody here. So this is from the BBC. I got to say that the BBC, there's right. the, the world history museum. I listened to BBC four came out with a, uh, back in 2010. So I'm going to get a little nerd on everybody actually came out in 2010, <laughs> a, a series called um, uh, the history of the world and a hundred items. And 
and mentioned the very first, the very first crafted, created object by, by human was the, um, was, uh, the old Davi stone chopping tool. So, ah, I think I have Yes. So it's 1.8 million years old. So it goes to show that at the very basic, basic things that we would need for survival is something to chop with. So if you have a tool to chop with, it helps you with building. It helps you with, you know, getting food. It helps you with making fire, all that stuff. So I would challenge anybody, if you're going to go into the apocalypse, find a tool for chopping. So there you go. (laughs) <laughs> straight up man that's fantastic well barney smith thank you so much for sharing your comics with the apocalypse today it's been a real pleasure it's been great sam i for sure to appreciate you having me on absolute pleasure and for the for the listeners one more time where can they find you online they can find me at storycomic.com uh i know that you don't have to say www anymore so it is just yeah. <laughs> storycomic.com that's s-t-o-r-y-c-o-m-i-c dot com and on there are all my links to all the other fun social media stuff fantastic well um again it's been a real real pleasure barney um and uh, everybody definitely go check out story comic it's it's a it's a great podcast um and uh, go check out all of uh, the other uh, works that, that barney has going on as well um i'm i'm very much looking uh, forward to uh, both uh, scrappy um <laughs> just say so, so, that is absolutely brilliant um and uh sorry i, I, I just it just escaped me uh what was your other project sorry oh it was that uh, toilet paper head toilet paper head as well that's fantastic yeah. brilliant yeah they're no, very much looking forward to those as and when they come out sure brilliant thanks buddy you take care man you're welcome bye Thanks again to Barney for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Barney's work, I'll follow him on social media. Those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the near future, I'll see you next time. Bye for now.